welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. Before we get even into the topic, we have to talk about the New York Comic Con Star Trek Discovery Trailer 2. Yeah. What did you think? Oh, this got me super charged up, excited, ready to go for Discovery Season 2, I think... The things that I saw just kind of gave me that giddy feeling inside, like seeing number one, seeing, yes, a bearded Spock. I don't care. Get over it. (laughs) Clearly, he's been out and about, has not had access to a razor. I think that's it. Settle down, Trek community. This is why we can't have nice things. That aside, that aside, I was super stoked to see the trailer. The panel, I mean, the enthusiasm of the Discovery cast is always contagious. They really know what they're doing, and they've, they're such a tight-knit group. Star Trek has always had a beautiful way of getting these casts together that just really click. They're a family. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they love each other, and they love what they're doing. They care about what they're doing. Their enthusiasm always just kind of gets me enthusiastic for them. So... All of that together, like I'm, I'm super stoked. Plus, we had a Tilly short, which I loved. I yeah. so I want to talk about the trailer first, then we can talk about Tilly. Yeah, let's do it. I, I'm right there with you, like with Spock's beard and everything like that. He was off the grid for a while. Grow up, people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And even if he wasn't, just shut up. But <laughs> I, uh, but no, I echo everything you're saying. Like I usually try to keep my positivity online and keep my negativity offline. Uh-huh. And so. If you see me, if you see me online, you see me on Twitter or Instagram and things like that, you know that I'm a Star Trek Discovery supporter. I am pro Star Trek Discovery. I'm happy that we have it. I'm happy that it exists. Do I think it's the greatest thing ever? No. Do I think it was an incredibly mediocre first season? Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, Do I think that it got better over time? Absolutely. Am I super jazzed for season two? You bet your ass God I am because (laughs) that trailer was amazing. It hit all the right notes. It was so cool. Visually, from a story perspective, you can tell that it's the MacGuffin right off the bat. Seven points all over the galaxy have popped up. I bet you we're going to see all seven. And we got this (laughs) mysterious red angel. We've got the 1701 angle. And it's no longer a war storyline, which is awesome. So we can get back to discovering and seeking out new worlds and new life forms and new civilizations. So it hit all the right notes for me. I am more stoked than I was before I saw the second trailer. And I am very much happy. And with the Tilly short, okay, you know, it's there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it kind of was what it was. It was everything that it needed to be, in my opinion. Like, I like the format. I like a nice, short, 15-minute story. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose or special, but I think it's a nice delve into Tilly's character, who she is, why she is who she is, a little bit of her psyche. How does she think? The future queen teenage thing, uh, okay, whatever. I have a feeling we may never even see her again. And you know what? That's okay. I thought it was great for what it was. It didn't need to be epic. You really can't be that epic in 15 minutes. Yeah, it wasn't. 
it wasn't like the lack of epicness or anything like that. I was just kind of like, okay, that happened. And then I'm yeah. gonna, I move on. Like move on. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It's just, okay, I got a short. Fantastic. Sure. And yeah. the people who expect the world, uh, calm down. <laughs> just in general, just calm down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole aspect that, yes, this is the CBS All Access ploy to get us to subscribe for a few months ahead of season two of Discovery. Yeah. Okay. You win. Okay. Shut up and take my money. I want to see it. I was kind of, I was pissed off about that. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I was. It's a very obvious when, ploy. Like when the whole Star Trek Discovery CBS All Access thing happened, or like when, right when it happened, I was just like, okay, I get it. I understand. I was a big supporter. And then they kept screwing up and putting their foots in their mouths and yeah, that discovering was bad. new ways to screw us. Like we, you all remember. And so like my support was eroding away with every single announcement and just like guys you're making it hard for me to support you right and then I, then then they gave us a show and i was like okay i've made my peace with it with the whole idea that there it's only available through cbs all access one a month it's one 15 minute thing a month and then it wasn't available internationally or at least right away and they said that it wasn't available internationally and they actually said that it was straight up wasn't like no it's not coming internationally thankfully that's changed but I thought to myself, this would have been a perfect way for you to give this to the internet to help promote your show. Right. So that like you release it on YouTube, say here's 15 minute short treks. Uh, If you want to see the big stuff, subscribe in January. That would have been a great way as as a sign of good faith. Absolutely. I think that would have worked a heck of a lot better than the massive snafu with international distribution and yes, getting people to renew their subscriptions early just so they can see this. I know a lot of people who aren't doing that. They're going to yeah. wait and I don't blame them. Or they watch it on Daily Motion, or they watch it <laughs> on some other right. website. Or- yeah. If you limit access to people, people will find a way to rip it and torrent it and steal it, whatever they have to do. Because, hey, money is tight. And you know what? I don't know if it's worth the five ninety nine a month for one short a month. No. I mean, I love Star Trek, but that's only 15 minutes of content. Yeah, it's absurd. It's asking a lot. It really is. It is. And I did it anyway because I want to support Star Trek, put money where my mouth is. But yeah, dang it, guys. You're, it really would have been a really classy and smart move to bring in more people and get more subscriptions by giving them a taste of what they could expect. I totally agree with you. And dang it, why aren't you on their marketing team? (laughs) Hey, well, you know. Send them your resume. Maybe someday down the road. So uh, let's go ahead and move into our topic because our topic this week echoes what we did last time you yeah. heard us. We did have we had to take a week off last week, but this week, actually, like the last episode, we talked about a what if scenario. What if Captain Jonathan Archer was the captain of the 1701D in the 24th century? So Archer transplanted to the 24th century. No time warp, no nothing. Just he exists. He's there, and he's kicking ass and taking names on the 1701D bridge. And so this week. We want to take that same template because it was so much fun to talk about. It was so much fun to talk about. It was. We had to do it again. We have to do it again. And so this week, we're going to be doing Benjamin Lafayette Cisco on USS Voyager. Yes. Now, since we did take a week off, we've had some time to think this over, at least intermittently, you know, shower thoughts, that sort of thing. I'm thinking of what would Ben Cisco on Voyager be like? 
I've got some ideas, but you know what? I'm more interested in hearing what sort of ideas you have. Well, I think we got to ask ourselves, so how does he get there? Because Voyager happens after DS9 already started. So in this universe, in this world, is he on Deep Space Nine for a couple years and then take the Voyager mission? Or is he on a – has Benjamin Sisko never heard of Deep Space Nine and was never the commander, never the the emissary? And he's just like, no, like his way back into the field is by Voyager. Which way do you think we should go? The way my mind went was that Deep Space Nine – is not even in the picture. He's never heard of it. He's never been there. And it's basically just kind of a switcheroo. He's taking the assignment on Voyager rather than Deep Space Nine. Now, one thing, I think we ought to make him a captain from the get-go. Yes, 100%. Ooh, if we or, do that. Or, or, or is he... Ooh, I wonder... Is he the first officer? Is that where you're going? Well, there's a couple different ways that we could do this. Because if we go your way of having him never been on Deep Space Nine. So he's still on Utopia Utopia Planitia. So he's been designing and building starships for years. And Uh maybe maybe the brass is just like, okay, you put your heart and soul into Voyager, into the Intrepid class. Yeah. And so we need you to test it on a real live mission. So what if he's just like, what if he's the quote unquote observer, just like Tom Paris? But yet, mm. when when the when the crap goes down, when the crap hits the fan, the captain and the first officer die, and so he's the senior ranking member, and Whoa. everybody looks to him to be the captain, and so he had no idea he was going to be a captain of a Starfleet vessel oh. after this after this much time has gone by. Oh, oh, oh! I love that so much. I love that better than the idea I was going to bring to the table, which was well, just what were that, you going to say? Well. One thing we, I think we have to decide also is I think we need to have Ben Sisko still recovering and grieving Jennifer's death. Absolutely. And Jake has to come with him on the ship. 100%. Jake, ne- Jake, and, and he must. Jake and Sisko is a package deal. Yep. Okay. All right. So don't need to have Ooh, a discussion wait. on that. Wait. Maybe we do need to have a discussion. Why, if, like, if, this, if this mission was to the Badlands... Why would he take his son? How could he take his son? I don't know if that's a given. Mm, That's a good point because even though it's going to be considered a shorter mission, they were only supposed to be out there for three weeks. It's a dangerous one. It is dangerous. There's big potential for loss of life. Hmm. So then does he have to doubly grieve? No. What if if Jake Sisko was a stowaway? Oh, so he shows up and Ben doesn't even know that he hitchhiked aboard the ship? Maybe that's like, I know it's kind of a stretch. It's kind of a stretch because <laughs> internal sensors should know that there's a stowaway, uh-huh. but they didn't on the Tilly short. So whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Sensors not quite the same in the Discovery universe, I guess. So what if, like, what if Benjamin goes to Jake and says, like, I can't take you on this one. I know I said I was going to take you on our next trip, but I can't take you on this one. It's going to be dangerous. I got to make sure the neural gel packs work. I got to make sure all this new material works in this build. And you know that this has been my ship. I built it from scratch and everything like that. You've been around since then. The idea is as old as you, blah, 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 something like that. And so Jake agrees. is like, okay, well, I'll just see you when you get back. And then they're in the Delta Quadrant. And then maybe like he's taken to sickbay and Cisco's like, what the hell is Jake doing here? And Jake wakes up 
And he says, he's like, he's like, how did you even get on board? How did the sensors not check you? He's like, I've been with you the entire time that you've been designing this ship. I know the pockets where things don't quite work yet or, or something to that Ooh, effect. Like this is a shakedown. Yeah, maybe he just put himself into a cargo container and that was that. He knows the ship just as well as his dad. And I he knows love its it. faults. He knows its its benefits. It's Star Trek. We could totally use that as an excuse. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, something was not installed until Tuesday. And Jake knows that. Yes, absolutely. I so love it. So there you go. There's a discussion. That's why Jake's on board. So, and, and the reason why Jake has to come along is he just, he can't bear to not be with his dad. He doesn't want to be left behind. He wants to be here for all this action. And he knows that once he gets on board, his dad's just going to be, okay, well, you're here. What yeah. am I going to do? And Benjamin is defined as a father. Like that is yeah. who he is. That is a part of his identity. And so it'd be hard to take Benjamin away. It's it's hard to take Benjamin away from the station. It's even harder to take him away from his kids. Yeah, I feel like that's a little too much. And that's it's such an important aspect of that character, that relationship. Jake must be there. I would hate to see Ben grieve the loss of his wife and being removed from his son, not knowing if he was ever going to come back and see him again. That would that right. would be too much. I mean, honestly, I think that would put him on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So what was your idea? Like, what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you? Like, what? Not, no, no, not at all. My idea was just that because Ben Sisko... I love your idea. I'm going to insert that idea that he's been developing the Intrepid class. It's his baby. And they're begging him to lead this mission. Like, hey, this is your legacy. This is yours. We want you to take it. And he's a little hesitant because it is a dangerous mission, but it's only three weeks. So, okay, I'll do it for three weeks. But then you know what? I'm coming right back to Earth. So, okay, so so instead of like my observer idea or analyst idea, you would want him to be straight up commander from the get go. Yep, that was really the only major modification that I had is that this was going to be his ship. Although for dramatic purposes, I love the idea of him having to step up sort of like a George Kirk moment in the Kelvin timeline. Yes, yes, yeah, like he, he's stepping up and I think it'd be, so Deep Space Nine never happened. This is the mm-hmm. third Star Trek show. Star Trek Voyager is now the third Star Trek show. Yeah. And so set aside the gender differences and the need for a female captain, because I recognize that that's there. And so we're not trying to take away from Catherine Janeway whatsoever. <laughs> Do we put Janeway on DS9 or we'll figure that out later. <laughs> I, honestly, I think that would be badass. I'd love to explore that. But so for that purpose, move that aside because we recognize, oh my goodness, yes, it's at that time, it was absolutely necessary to have a female captain. It was more than necessary. It was more than past due. But Certainly. for the purposes of this what if, this is how it is. Yeah, we've got to have, we have to have a person of color in command in this incarnation. Yeah. That's the next step. This is what we're doing. It just so, happens to be Voyager. Now in this iteration, because this is a what if scenario and we can do whatever we want, it's our Imaginarium, is Janeway the captain? And Janeway gets killed? Yes. No. No. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got, I've got the best idea. Okay. It's not Kate Mulgrew, Janeway. It's Jean-Pierre <laughs> Bujold. <laughs> and here's what happened, is they were going to have the female captain, okay? And Jean-Vierre Bujol drops out after a day or two. They shoot whatever scenes they have of her. She ends up getting killed, along with the first officer. So then we have Chakotay come in, too. And then they cast Avery Brooks as Ben Sisko. He steps That's up. That's hilarious. 
and behind the scenes, it's pure chaos, but it actually works so much in the favor of the story that they're like, this is even better. So in this version, Nicole Janeway dies. Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> when, and it's a good when thing. To the Delta Quadrant. That's hilarious. That's what we're doing. Okay. So, <laughs> so just as a recap, first officer that we saw in Caretaker, he dies. Nicole Janeway dies. And Tuvok is not around. Not yet. And so Cisco is a commander. He's a, you know, triple right. triple pip commander. And so he's just like, okay, well, it's it's now to me. I gotta I gotta do this. And he's he, just up. like Yeah, I mean half the crew is roughly dead. Is it half? Was it really half? Uh, it was a substantial amount, let's just say half. Because yeah, like um, a large amount. Well, what was it? Maybe not a half, maybe a third. I think it was a third. I think it was a third. And then Chicote's crew rounded it out back to about hundred fifty. I do believe so. Um seventy five. 175. Well, depending on which statistic you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. I could totally be wrong. So, okay. So I see everything kind of progressing that way where Nicole Janeway brings Tom on board the same way. Uh-huh. And they're on Deep Space Nine. And, you know, we see Quark. Yeah. But Deep Space Nine is just another outpost to us. We have no connection to it. It's foreshadowing for that other series that's coming down the line. Perfect, perfect. And then so we say that Tom is an observer just to help with the navigation, but yet we call Cisco something else. Mm, I, I don't know like, what his E. I, I'm not an advisor or something like that, or something like that. Yeah, I don't think we have to get too detailed into that. He's there and he's important. He's there. He's important. People know that he like he kind of he says he's like, listen, I'm going to step out of the way. I'm just here as a technology expert and a ship expert. He's evaluating the performance of the ship. Yeah. And that's all that I'm doing. And so like it's really hands off. And then boom, he kicks into gear and he's now kind of like when Troy landed herself in disaster as the senior ranked member on the bridge. Oh, my God, I've got to do this. I think it's it's very much like that, but nowhere near the incompetency or the hesitation. Because no. like Cisco was a first officer. He knows this ship. He knows what it can do. And so his training just straight up kicks in. He's just like, boom, I am the Cisco. Let's do this. You know what I would love to see is later on, it hits him and it hits him hard. He has suddenly had the responsibility, the grave responsibility of 150 to 175 lives dropped on him in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere 75 years from home while still grieving the loss of his wife which i do think is going to have a profound effect on him and everything that he knew it's just gone it's vanished and i think for as much as they explored loneliness and longing with janeway i think it's going to hit ben cisco that much harder also on top of that I, I i agree with all of that on top of that i immediately thought of the line at the end where torah says you know, who is she to be making all these decisions for us? And Chakotay grabs her and says, she's the captain. Uh-huh. That has the same amount of impact, but for an entirely different reason. Mm. Because when Chakotay grabs Taurus and says, he's the captain, it's because people have been questioning it. Janeway, it wasn't questioned that Janeway was the captain. She is the captain of Voyager. Yeah. But Cisco is a presumed captain just because of his rank. Ooh, and I so like his it. actions throughout Caretaker solidify his leadership position. Love it. I love how we're analyzing Caretaker. I feel like last <laughs> time when we were talking about Archer and the D, it was about how the show would look and how it would unfold. We don't. We weren't really talking about Encounter at Farpoint that much, 
But because Voyager's pilot up, not pilot episode, but Voyager's first episode was so different from every everybody else's, it had a huge mission statement. I feel like we need to focus on that. And mm-hmm. maybe for another episode, maybe the next episode, we can talk about Cisco and his relationship, you know, how that would play. Yeah, it, it is different. You're absolutely right that it is. For as much but as what encounter, I, oh, what? Go ahead. But what I was going to say with Tuvok, because I don't, I don't want to go too hard into the relationships that he was developed later on. But I imagine that once Tuvok's on board and he was rediscovered, uh, like I see Cisco having a conversation with him by saying, "Okay, naturally, this should fall to you. You are next in line after the Wait, uh, after the captain dies and first officer dies." I suppose so, but doesn't Tuvok technically have the rank of lieutenant commander? No, he is lieutenant commander. Yes, he's he's lieutenant commander. In the first episode, he's lieutenant, lieutenant commander. Then he gets knocked down to lieutenant, and they didn't want us to notice. But I think that needs to come into the conversation where Tuvok will say, well, I'm only a lieutenant commander. And Cisco's like, yeah, but I'm not technically a part of the crew. You're st- you're still next in line. He says he's like, I believe in order for this shoot, for this ship, to work efficiently, I need to stay at my station of security and tactical while someone who has had leadership experience and first officer, first officer experience knows how a ship runs, it would benefit with you at the head. So maybe Tuvok is the one who convinces Cisco to take the reins permanently. Mm, I like it. And maybe Cisco needed slash wanted Tuvok's blessing. Okay, so do you think maybe Ben is maybe trying to hand off command of the ship to Tuvok? He doesn't necessarily want the responsibility right away. Realizing the gravity of the situation. And he's thinking, I I don't know if I'm up to this task. Do you want it? I think it works because in Emissary, the first episode of Deep Space Nine, he doesn't want to stay at the station. He wants to go back home. That's true. Now, going back home is not an option for him that he knows of right now. Yeah. But I think that hesitancy needs to play in with the character. And he, I think he's looking to Tuvok for permission, even though he's the ranking officer. Hmm. Like pseudo permission. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. So then when the Maquis crew comes aboard and Chakotay becomes the first officer, then what? That's something that I always wanted to see. I wanted to see that conversation between Janeway and Chakotay, where Janeway goes to Chakotay and says, how do we do this? How does this happen? What does the dynamic look like? And we never, it was just presumed that that conversation happened. And I feel like with Cisco, I want to see Cisco and Tuvok in a room and then Chakotay comes in and Benjamin Cisco lays it down and says like, listen, this is a Starfleet ship. This is a Starfleet crew. We want you here. We need you here in order to function. But I need to know that you're willing to handle Federation rules and Starfleet rules. And maybe Chakotay's a little hesitant. And he says, he's like, we're going to make you the first officer. And then Chakotay's like, wouldn't that be too, isn't Tuvok your first choice? And like Cisco says, Tuvok's willing to concede that point to you in order to promote unity amongst us. And and that's where Chakotay's like, okay, all right. If I'm going to be the first officer, then maybe we can make it work. I like it. Well, and Chakotay, we know, has some sort of Starfleet background. So I think that will enhance his willingness to go back to the Starfleet way of life. He must, however, say... I'm on board with this, getting my people in line with this. It might have some difficulty. And Cisco will rationally say, yes, of course, we're expecting that. But if we have you, you know, if you're with us, I think that'll help make the transition easier. Right. I think so. I think I would love to see that conversation. And I think Cisco would probably handle it a little bit more gruffly than Janeway. 
Mm-hmm. I think Janeway would have a little bit more of a deft hand. I mean, Janeway was no nonsense, but she she knew how to talk to people. Yes. And and I, I feel like she would have invited Chakotay and Cisco would have said, listen, take it or leave it. More of like, this is the way it's going to be. So in your opinion, how would Cisco react with the old compa? Oh, good question. And the caretaker and that whole situation. And the caretaker, how? because obviously he needs to make the same decision that Janeway did, but how does he reach that decision? How do you see him rationalizing that? Do you think it's the same rationale? Does he come to the same place through a different way? What do you think? You know, I kind of hate my answer, which is that I think he's going to be a little angrier about it. He's going to be mad at the caretaker. He's going to try really hard to keep his cool. But ultimately, look at what he did. Look at what the caretaker did. He abducted his crew, flung them across the galaxy, and now they're stranded there. He's not going to be able to get them back because the caretaker's dying. Mm -hmm. And he and a bunch of people are essentially screwed. So I think he's going to lay it down on the caretaker and say, buddy, have you got anything that we can possibly do? And he's just, no. (laughs) Yeah. I think this would have been the first time we would have seen Cisco like yelling Cisco would have been this moment. Yelly Cisco's going to get really yelly whereas Janeway was a little more I don't want to say lecture-y like but she did have that thing of hey the Okampa they're children who need to grow up. They'll find a way mm-hmm. to be on their own. And I think Cisco's going to take more of the line of you've messed us up, you've messed them up. The Kazon are going to just ravage the place. How dare you? Mhm. Mm-hmm. But we do need that same outcome. So do those actions eventually flow into the same outcome? Or does it just does it lead to a little more chaos? Does it lead to things with being even more at odds with the Kazon by destroying the array? And I don't know, what does he do with the Okampa? That's a big question mark in my opinion. That was not something I thought about. I'm with you. I think he would be angry. I think he'd be yelly. And I have this scene in my head where the character, like he's screaming. And as he's screaming at him, the caretaker literally dies and then shrinks into that little crystal. And so it's not like this this tender moment where like the character's like, oh my God, I'm dying. And Janeway doesn't say anything. Uh-huh. I want to see Avery Brooks yell him into death saying, how dare you leave us this way? <laughs> like you, you coward, you should have done something differently. And then Tuvok goes to him and says like, we can still make this happen. We can still do it. And then he says, he's like, he's like yeah, but what's going to happen to the Ocompan? You know, like we're Starfleet mm. officers. And then Tuvok's like, what about Jake? And and then like he kind of disconnects himself a little bit and says, well, Jake shouldn't have been here to begin with. And now he's about to get the adventure of a lifetime or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Because ultimately, Ben Sisko is a Starfleet officer. He is going to do what's best for the greater good, even if that means sacrificing all chances of getting home. And also saying something to the effect of he's like, well, I have to worry about my child. But what about all of the other parents on Ocampa? Yeah. You know, they have to worry about their kids too. It's not just this one ship that's in the balance. It's not just this one son. Right. And so with the caretaker gone, he takes up that mantle and tries to make it as right as he possibly can. He can't fix right. the Okampa, but he can at least set them up to protect them from the Kazon as much as he possibly can. And I see when the Kazon kind of chime in, you know, they say, you've made an enemy today and then tune out. I think... Cisco would have some sort of comeback. Something uh, I know that they didn't really give Janeway time, but I feel like Cisco would say something like, "We'll be ready," you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like be ready with been... bells on. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he's pissed off enough where he's just kind of like, "Eh, yeah, sure. whatever, bring it." And then he he does have to deal with that hot mess later. I like it though. Yeah, 
yeah, I think that that would be key differences there. One more question. How is he going to deal with the Kazon? Is it going to be different than how Janeway did it? I don't think so. I think I think Cisco would follow his avenues the same way Janeway did, like use like with Neelix and with Kess and everything like that. <laughs> I think Cisco would have even less tolerance for Neelix. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. <laughs> I think Boy. Cisco would just straight up tell Neelix exactly how things were gonna go down. But with the Kazon, I feel like he would try to be diplomatic first. I, that's the thing with Cisco is that he is diplomatic first, but the moment it's you true. cross him, he'll slap you with a rock. It's true. It's true. I think for the most part, things are going to start off much the same. But I do think that, say when you get to the episode Alliances, where they're trying to make the deal with the Kazon and then the Trabe come in, angry Cisco is going to make a lot of things go down. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Janeway, she was just, I think, more on the lines of, we need to stick to our Starfleet ideals. She has that big speech at the end. You know, we're more Starfleet than ever. That'll help us get us through. I wonder if that moment would be more of a turning point for Cisco, where this is a different area. The rules are different here. We've got to play by different rules. Starfleet isn't working the same here. We're trying it, and we're only getting so far. What do you think about that? I think it's too early for that kind of turn. I think it's too early from think a character's so? perspective. I do. I think we need to find that out through the first season, second season of where like rules need to bend. But I think the speech would be very different. I think it would be very inspirational, but I think it would be along the lines of this is a Starfleet crew and we're going to live by Starfleet rules. But at the same time, we need to roll with the punches and we will be ready for whatever the Delta Quadrant is going to throw at us. I think it would be much more of a cautionary tale and a very much a tale of we can do this as opposed to uh, we're going to make allies. We're going to research new technologies. Like she was very much a scientific diplomatic approach. I feel like Cisco would be, we can do this because we have to do this. More about survival rather than rah-rah Starfleet. Yes, very much so. It's it's much more survival instead of rah-rah Starfleet. And I feel like right before he gives that speech, we see that moment where he puts on the fourth pip. Ooh, Okay symbolic of just the fact that he's large and in charge and he's determined to get this crew home because he's giving himself a promotion. Yeah, he's giving himself a promotion with the blessing of Tuvok. I think that needs to happen. Like Tuvok is of Voyager, of Starfleet, and maybe Tuvok reminds him, if you are going to be a captain, be a captain. You need to lead us and you need to do that with four pips if you're going to sit in that chair. I like it. That has a lot of symbolism there. And that I think we could also incorporate where in Deep Space Nine, he was like, maybe I'm going to leave Starfleet. And maybe he's that way with Voyager too, where when he was a technical advisor, he's like, after the successful launch, like my dream was to get the Intrepid out and going. I'm leaving Starfleet. I'm done. Yeah, his work is done. He and his son can go back to Louisiana. They can help his dad run the restaurant and live a comfortable and carefree life. And so that's what he was going to do. And so that symbolism of him putting the pip on is his rededication to Starfleet. Love it. We have a lot of other dynamics that we're going to have to talk about next week. Things like how how Jake is going to be raised on Voyager. We immediately Mm -hmm. have a kid aboard the ship. And oh my gosh, this is actually really cool. I love this idea. There's so much more to unpack. This is so much fun. So you got to you got to tune in next week to find out how the show Star Trek Voyager would change as Cisco at the helm because today we just talked about the caretaker. So, tune in next week. 
subscribe, go to the website, thenerdparty.com, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find out all that information by going to thenerdparty.com. And also, uh, we're now hosted by Sprecher, so check that out by going to Sprecher.com. And you can also find us on Spotify. So if, you listen, if you're a big Spotify user, you can find us there. All you got to do is just go to Spotify and search Punch It Writing in Star Trek or go to our website at thenerdparty.com slash punch it. So this week, just like Avery Brooks as Benjamin Sisko, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.